Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with friends. And I have with me a very special friend, Catherine Ferraro, who is now working for me. She's here for six months. At, she's a captain in the Air Force who is doing a bridge program, but I'm going to let her talk a little bit about it. First of all, welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Yep. Hello, everyone. Yep. I know. So let's talk about um, how you came to be here with me in the sauna. Yes. <laughs> the infamous sauna. Yeah. Uh, no, so I am, like you said, a captain in the Air Force, working space things, so transitioning to Space Force. Uh, and I'm coming off of active duty and going into the reserve. The Air Force has this really cool program where up to 180 days, so six months before I officially separate off of active duty, I can be released to go work with industry. So the industry I chose was yoga, and I chose you, Laura Hyman, as um, the business owner that I will essentially intern with to make sure that I get translatable skills into the civilian world and I can transition gracefully. And that's amazing. Um, before we get into like how you contacted me and all that, how long has the Air Force been doing this? It's only about two years old. Uh, the Army had it first, I guess three years now, uh, 2017. Uh, so Army had the program. Air Force was like, hey, that's a great idea and kind of copied it over. And I think they're still probably working through some some kinks. They've updated the name and they've changed the checklist, but still pretty new. It's amazing. So I remember it was a year ago, about January mm-hmm. of last year, I got this email and you know, I get a lot of emails. <laughs> so I, I remember that I got it, but it, it immediately caught my eye and and you would reach out and explained what this bridge program was. And you said, I know this is kind of far-fetched, but what do you think about me coming and working for you? And I thought, 
wait a second, <laughs> somebody wants to come work for me and, and, and you're getting paid by the Air Force. But it's like, you have your salary. You're just doing this for free, essentially for, to, for me, but you're still getting paid. And I, 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 just, I just was so struck by what an amazing opportunity for both of us. And so I said, uh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, and I'm going to sign up for your teacher training. Yeah. So you came here in August and, and completed the teacher training. But before you get there, did you think about any other industry or like what was it about this particular industry and me in particular that made you decide to reach out to me and ask to be here? Yeah, great question. Uh, so when I was deciding I wanted to transition off of active duty Air Force, I remember sitting at a computer and I was looking up, originally my plan was to straight away go to school. Um, And I said, okay, like I'm going to go get an MBA or something very high paying. And then I will come back and make a ton of money as like a government civilian or go work for somewhere in DC. I remember thinking like, oh, I just feel like I'm getting out of the things I didn't want to do in the Air Force. And I'm going to get back into it on the civilian side. And I allowed myself for 10 minutes. I said, if you could do absolutely anything, money, no object. Where where does your mind take you? And I remember I looked up uh, Masters of Yoga, and there's one master's program in the U.S. in L.A. uh, as a yoga studies master's program. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just do yoga. Like, screw it, I'll figure it out. Something will happen. And so I started kind of taking yoga more seriously. It's always helped me in my life. And then I had been following you on Instagram. You seemed. very, like I listened to the podcast and you said like, oh, if you have questions, you can email me. And you said your email. And I was like, I might as well just try it. Like I'll, <laughs> what's, there's no loss for me. Like I'm still getting paid. If it doesn't work out, sure. I can go back to school. I can try to go get one of those jobs I was talking about. Why not allow myself the time to just jump and see what happens? So here I am. And you did it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. I love that. How things just kind of line up that way when, and it, it, it is, I actually, that reminded me of a quote I read today and it's just, stuck with me and it's life is short. Why are we not running like there's a wildfire? And I just, there's something about that quote is, is this idea of like, why are, why are so many people inclined to do the things that aren't bringing them joy? And yes, money, money can be great, but I think we all realize, and hopefully people realize sooner than later, that that is not what is going to ultimately bring you the greatest joy. It's, it's, it's being in line with, with what you want to be doing for the rest of your life. So in that vein, what, what is it about yoga that just opened you up to this as a possible life choice? Right. Well, it helped me in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where I was putting more time into it than anything else I was doing. So I had my job and then I had some hobbies and yoga was like the thing that I did. And I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. So I looked at it. I never thought of it as a career opportunity because I, you know, money, like you said, it kind of weighs in on you. Um, but it, I, it was something I was passionate about and I really loved sharing it with people, uh, people who would confide in me that they had hard times. I'd bring them to yoga, the mindfulness, the the turning inward to help fix things. It had done so much for me. And I thought, if something like that is speaking to you, don't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something not full-time, it's something I always will have in my life. And I'm never going to get probably another opportunity like this to just try it, just to see. How is it different for you than say some of the other athletic endeavors or physical fitness stuff that you had been doing before? Yeah. So yeah, I did sports my whole life. Uh, I played volleyball in college. Uh, I did track, basketball, softball, always loved exercising, did half marathons for a couple of years, was really into running, obviously very physical fitness oriented in the military. 
And there's something about yoga where it wasn't for anybody else. And I didn't have to surpass a certain goal. And it was that idea that I needed to transfer to the rest of my life. That not everything I was doing needed to have an exact benefit in terms of money or success or power. It was working on yourself. The spiritual piece really spoke to me, um, which is funny because I don't think I usually come off that way. But it was an avenue that I felt safe to just turn in and talk to God in my own way, pay attention to what was my body was doing. And it was the first time that I, I think I stopped looking at the future or stressing about, am I doing good enough? Am I doing enough? What more can I do to make myself more successful? And just sat and dealt with things I needed to deal with. And I, I see it a lot in my profession. People are constantly looking for the next ladder. How do I differentiate myself? How am I better? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And it's refreshing to take a moment and open your eyes and see what's going on. Wow. Yeah, I love that. And so then you came, because I want to circle back to that, but then you came and studied with me and did the teacher training and then you brought it back to the military. Yeah. So how did everybody there accept it? Because all the things you said obviously were um, not not that they were counter to your instincts and, and your training, but the, the idea of not having a checklist, not having a goal, not having a kind of an achievement, but just being in the moment of practice. So how did you bring that? Were you, were you nervous about bringing it back to the military? And how, how <laughs> I warned my team. <laughs> I warned them when I left. I said, when I come back, I'm going to practice on you guys. And they, some people loved it. Some people didn't. That's fine. Uh, I, what I did, because I was fortunate, I had a small team that I was leading about seven people. And I told them, I will do an additional uh, physical training session. I will do it at 3.30 on Thursdays for one hour, which is during our duty day. I said, your choices are you can come to this extra PT session if you want. It's your PT time for the day or you stay at work. Like your choice. (laughs) Uh, So people tried it out and I had some people absolutely love it. They're like, I didn't realize that I was doing that. And I, you know, I, I lift weights and I had this pain from lifting weights and I've never thought about like I do a drill pelvis. I've got a guy that's a surfer and he goes, you know, I think about it for surfing and how much it's helping me there. And I saw them applying it to other areas of their life. And it was just interesting. It seemed like they were just able to to wake up from whatever their normal routines were. And they would get excited and they would talk about how it kicked their butts and they weren't expecting that much of a workout, but how great it was to just focus. And one of my airmen, when I left, she actually wrote to me, she was like, you know, you brought us this mindfulness and things I probably would never have expected to get in the military, but I use it every day now. And it's made such a big difference in my life. And my shop was great. They were doing amazing things. And I, it was like the least amount of work I felt like I had to do in my entire career, but we were getting the most productivity out of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would be a great research, you know, project <laughs> is like how, how this can increase productivity in all, all realms. Yeah. So what did you, what do you find is the hardest thing about being in the military? Um, is there a mentality? Because I, I have spoken to military people and there's some that are really open to practicing yoga and some that it's almost like it's a, a vulnerability that you might need to be um, seen as practicing yoga that, that they don't <laughs> want it, that they don't want to do. What would is what is the hardest thing about being in the military as the person you are today? Right. That's a great question. I think there's things logistically that are difficult about being in the military. 
not having control over your job, not having control over where you live, where you move. Mm. Um, there's stability, you know, you, I'm getting a paycheck. I know that you could deploy anytime, family considerations, divorce rates, like 80% in the military. There's a lot of stress that comes wow. just I, inherently with it. Yeah. Even if you don't deploy, one of my jobs, we were deployed in place and I was pretty much working all the time, but also having to keep up my home life. And some people just don't always understand like the stress that these people are going through. And then still you're, you don't want to seem weak and you don't want to let people know that you can't handle it. And if you're in a command position, you can't let people know that you're not handling it. You have to remain strong or else it just breaks. So I think for a lot of people who don't want to seem vulnerable or soft, they're afraid to be too human so that people wouldn't follow them. And that's probably an obstacle that people who say they don't want to be seen practicing yoga encounter. That I, and as a woman, it's like, I don't want to give anyone another reason to not want to follow me or to think that I am too soft or emotional to run this place. Mm-hmm. I think that culture is shifting. I think more people are showing that I can have emotion and I can care, but I can also make rational decisions and I can motivate people to follow me. And so that was something I, I learned to train out of myself, the emotional side, and then I ended up consciously bringing it back later. So what brought you into the military originally? So I was in high school and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And at first, you know, I kind of boiled it down to, I want to travel. I want to do something really cool and I don't have money for school. (laughs) So I will join the military and I'll become a pilot. And that was, I just kind of latched onto it and I went, here we go. And my dad had been in the service. I have two sisters in the service. It didn't, it wasn't a foreign idea to me. So I went and did reserve officer training corps. So there's three ways to become an officer. You can go to the Air Force Academy. You can do ROTC, thing I just explained, mm-hmm. or, and then officer training school, OTS. So I picked ROTC, uh, did that while I was going through college, and then commissioned the day I graduated. So ROTC, when you are ROTC, they pay for your entire college? Sometimes. There's different levels of scholarship. I was on a partial, so mm-hmm. they paid for about half my undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got like a room, like my room was covered, and I got a little stipend. Uh, monthly for like books or whatever. And then are you required to continue service afterwards for how long? So my commitment was four years active and then four years inactive. So that meant full-time job for four years. And then we still have you on the books, but we're probably not going to call you. Right. But you've been there for how long now? I've been active for six and a half. It'll be seven when I complete this program. Okay. That's awesome. And what would you, what would you say is the thing you'll miss the most about being an active duty? military air force captain i'm a little cheating because i'm staying reserve <laughs> so i'll oh, still be a part of it that's actually really nice though yeah because then is it sounds like reserve you said is how many times it's one year? weekend a month mm-hmm. two weeks a year okay uh, is the minimum so it's I, still I, a I commitment more. Yeah. yeah still yeah. A commitment um and to me i'm glad i did that because i would miss being a part of every like space force is happening that's exactly my job it's such a cool time to be a part of it it's also very frustrating and confusing but you do make history. You are a part of such big things that you probably A, didn't know existed and B, had I had no idea I could ever work on them. Like you told me in high school, like you're going to go work with satellites and rockets. I'd be like, I am not smart enough to do that, <laughs> first of all. Um, but you get to work with people from all over the country, different backgrounds. You all come under one goal. And I, I love that. I love creating those diverse teams and getting people excited to go do one thing together. Now, I know you're one of six. Is that right? Yeah. Is that, do you think that being one of six is 
a contributor to you being so great at team building? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, you're the youngest. I was, so one could say no. Yeah. That wouldn't be. I was the community project. So mm-hmm. my siblings raised yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, you share, you share everything. We shared parents, you share time. I don't know. I think I've always just, I value people. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get something done, you get people to do it together and it'll get done. You worry about them. Everything else falls into place. So do you feel like you're going to always do something with people? Because that kind of dynamic has been with you since birth, even though you're quite a bit younger than your siblings. Right. Yeah, I hope so. I think, it, I, I think I'm a learned extrovert. Mm-hmm. So I definitely enjoy my alone time. But there's something so great about getting people together. And, you know, maybe it's not always my job that does it, but whatever my community brings or my future family brings, yeah, I like that close-knitness. And how do you think you will, I mean, as a yoga teacher, as someone who is wanting to go into this field of wellness and yoga and all that, how do you, how do you imagine you'll bring that there with, given your own kind of background in history? Is there, is there something in your own background in history that you want to really use as an experience to help others? Well, I think I would love to work with military because I think coming from the military gives me some credibility that, hey, I've done this. I maybe didn't do the exact things you do, but I can understand how the culture is and I can appreciate that and I can relate to you. And I find it very easy for me to relate to a lot of people. And I don't know why, if I've just been through a lot of random things, but I I find it easy to kind of get a piece of them that they feel comfortable enough with me to take that step. So whether it's bringing it to people who have never tried it before, um, whether it's doing like team building things for the military, for the company, whoever, something that, hey, this is a safe place and we're all probably going to look like idiots trying something new, but it'll make you feel stronger and it's ultimately better for you. Try it out. And what's that, what I think is interesting for, for anyone out there who's listening that doesn't know Catherine is, yeah, you have this incredible, um, powerful presence and yet underneath it, there is a, an amazing softness. And I feel like that's come from some of your own personal history and, and struggles. And what would you say that you could bring to others from that regard? Not just the military part, but because that's the structure, I think, yeah. as we say <laughs> in yoga, the shtira. But what of the sukha of your own personal struggle could you bring that would really be benefiting so many young women as we've spoken about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a myriad of things. Yes. So you've got the like the checklist of things that a lot of people deal with. So uh, I was bulimic for a lot of years. Um, it was stress triggering. And mm-hmm. then it was also like the cycle of, I'm not good enough. I'm not, um, I don't look the way that I need to look because I grew up like a lot of girls do. I need to be the best at everything and also the prettiest in order to be successful. And I kind of grew up as a people pleaser too. I lived for the the, you know, people don't need to know me intimately, but I just wanted to be well-liked and respected and all those things. So there's that part. I got married very young, got divorced very young. So I saw that side of it. I had a sexually, emotionally, and physically abusive relationship in my early twenties. And then dealing with all of that, I stuffed it down and focused on work, which was also stressful. And I came to a point where I had to restart and that's where yoga really helped me focus and say, Hey, you're not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And you are only going to survive this and get better if you take a moment to sort it out. And I'm lucky I got that opportunity. How, do you remember that moment where that kind of all came to the surface? I do. Uh, 
So I grew up Catholic and my sister had given me in 2017 when I first got stationed in California, a book. It was called Resisting Happiness by Matthew Kelly. And he's like a big Catholic ambassador. And the book, it wasn't overly Catholic in the sense like... Religious. Yeah. yeah. It it was more like, why are you resisting God? Like, why can't you sit down and talk? And, you know, regardless of what your religious beliefs are, that book had threads in it that are applicable to everybody. And he said, go to a church and sit down for 10 minutes and just talk to God and see what comes up. And I was like, this is stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Why do I have to do that? And I walked into the the chapel on base during my lunch hour and I just sat in the back and it was me alone. And I, I think it was five seconds before I just started crying. I was going to say, I would start crying. (laughs) I know. I already know myself well enough. Yeah. 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 And it was, and I remember sitting there crying and I was like, okay, I'm not okay. I'm like this, Mm -hmm. I need to get okay. And so every day at lunch, I went and for 10 minutes, I just tried to say something. And when things started coming up, that's when I said, okay, maybe you look at other ways that you can help this, whether it's praying harder, writing, going to yoga, taking that time for you. I had the opportunity to have a normal schedule that helped a lot with the sleep and getting healthy again. And that was my goal for 2017. I said, you're going to get healthy. Mm. And I did. And did when you were in this relationship that you're referring to, did all of those kind of habits that were harmful, self-harmful, did they, I'm sure they must've been at their peak, like bulimia or was, was yeah. it worse when you're in that relationship? After. After. Yeah. Because um, I think when I was in it, you're just in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And th- I mean, this sounds terrible. Like, thank God he beat me up. Right. Like, thank God he left physical evidence and that I had to call the cops that night. Thank God he went to jail because who knows what would happen. Like I had picked up a loaded gun with an intent to kill myself because I didn't think I could get out of that relationship. And I didn't think I was ever going to be okay again. And that was simultaneously the worst and best night of my life because it forced me to go to court with him to hash out everything that had happened. And then as soon as it was over is when the, I'm not good enough. The things that he had planted in my mind for a year. Into the surface. Yeah. Had it, it's so interesting because a lot of very strong women like yourselves end up in these um, abusive relationships and there's a part of them that knows it. And then there's a part that just is like, justifies it, right. Or, or just uh, rationalizes it. Mm-hmm. And what did, was there a moment Were there moments, did your family have any idea what that was going on? Were there moments where you were like, I need to leave this. And then it's. Yeah. There's, I think the term is like gaslighting. Like, mm, I, cause I remember yes. reading it after I'm like, wow, how, and if you have that, it doesn't help. Right. Cause you're like, how stupid am I? Like, it was like, it's so psychological. <laughs> Anybody can, I mean, if you spend enough time with somebody and they, they tell you things enough, you, yeah. you can start to believe it. And I remember getting into the relationship. I was like, this doesn't feel right. But I also had just gotten out of a divorce and I was like, well, I don't really, I was already kind of low there. And that's probably why he swooped in. Um, but I remember thinking like, oh, this seems weird, but maybe this is how relationships are. And then he would find the threat of insecurity that I have and very, very gracefully use that against me time in and time out. And then I just, I felt dumb and I felt like, you know, hey, I actually love this person and relationships are hard. You know, you hear that all the time. It's work and I just got to keep at it. But I do remember there was one time, I think I had been uh, home alone without him. And I remember I caught myself in the mirror and something, he was texting me something. And I remember thinking like, you got to get out of here. Like I, I had that thought for a second and then I was like, oh, okay, well, it'll be fine. Like survival almost like. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I don't think my family liked him, but I wasn't anywhere in your home. 
I was stationed in Colorado. My family all is in New Hampshire. So they didn't really know. I, you know, it's interesting because I had one, uh, one boyfriend who is, who is not physically abusive, but had some big early on signs of possessiveness, mm. you know, and it's weird how you can be fairly secure or, you know, in a moment of vulnerability or insecurity and somebody like that comes in and they, and you can turn, you can actually in your mind twist something into like, oh, he loves me so much. Yep. Oh my gosh. He just wants to be with me all the time. Oh, he's just checking up on me for safety. Like you can actually rationalize really shitty behavior and it's, and then it can just continues and that becomes your norm. And I feel like for women, they need to know that, yeah, this, I mean, relation, it was, I, I met my husband after that. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, this is kind of easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah. You know what? Actually relationships, there is, should be an ease to them. Yeah. It shouldn't be like, you're always nervous about somebody being upset or in, in a bubble, you're good, but actually in, in, out in public life or with family, it's not as good. There's some real signs. So I feel like women need to know those, those, those signs early on, because yeah. it, once you start going down that path, it's, it's very challenging to, to know what is, what is the reality of it. And if you bring it up and they're uncomfortable talking about it or they get defensive, like that's probably, yeah. But I mean, I, well, certainly I, hitting somebody like getting hit is yeah. like, you know, you, you do hear about women who, are abused. How, how, how did that first happen? So there was a couple of crazy instances that I just kind of chalked up to, oh, we had, we had been drinking or so he, when I started to feel suicidal in the relationship, I remember telling him about it. And you know, this is something I didn't even, I didn't bring this up in the courts because it was like, there's no way to prove it, but he had raped me twice. Mm -hmm. And I chalked it up to, oh, okay, well maybe like, that's what he thought I wanted. And that's what he had said. Or Maybe I should have said no, or there was a misunderstanding. And I remember feeling really bad about that. And he had a bunch of guns and he had shoved a gun in my face and was like, is this what you want? Like, you actually want to die? And I remember crying and like praying and being like, no, okay, this is not what I want. And then immediately after he pulled the, well, I do that because I love you. And I want you to realize that this isn't what you want. And then he did the comforting thing. And I remember feeling like he's protecting me. Like he does love me. And that's, he's trying to make me realize that my life isn't so bad and I just need to stop complaining. And so that was kind of his shtick. And then that night that the physical evidence was left, we had actually broken up the night before and I was trying to get away. I had been at our apartment. He was mad that I had gone out. Essentially, we weren't even together. And I had a curfew. 10 p.m. was my curfew. Wasn't allowed to hang out with anybody else. Um, I had gone out to hang out with my one of my friends and chat about everything that happened. And she was single. And that made him really mad because I was a whore for hanging out with her because she went on dates with other men. And that's inappropriate for women, apparently. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I got home late and that sparked it. Mm -hmm. And I got mad at him for all the things that he had said. And... um yeah, he, I picked up, he had finally gotten out of the room. I locked the door. I was feeling awful about myself. I pulled out his gun and I picked it up and I had it loaded and I, it sounds dramatic, but I picked it up and I, cause I wanted to feel like the weight of that decision. And my parents came really quickly into my mind. Like I've seen them essentially lose a child. And I was like, I can't do that to them. <laughs> so yeah. I, he had changed his tone at the door from let me in like 
curse word, curse word, whatever, to I love you. And I said, okay. And the second I opened the door is when it happened. He threw me down. He punched me. He saw that the gun was out. Didn't put away the gun. Mind you, he put it right next to him and then was playing his games. And in that whole course of events, he had ended up strangling me, um, beating my ribs, pulled out a big chunk of my hair. And I remember him like through whatever vision I had, I remember he had my head and he was shaking it and he was just like spitting. He's like, I hope you're happy. You finally did it. You finally made me this mad. Oh my God. I know. It's always the blame, right? Yeah. How do you move past something like that? I mean, I, it sounds like yoga was a part of that for sure. Oh yeah. Therapy or is it just time? I think it's all of the above. Mm-hmm. I mean, survival the the military actually was a great help for me Mm -hmm. because i rationalized that night. Is he in the military yeah i rationalized that night i said oh he really did think i was going to kill myself and that's why Mm. he did this he broke into yeah save me and then even in jail i was like trying to like oh my gosh i should bail him out but my commander at the time was like nope no contact order you're not allowed to contact him and so i was like no what this but i love him and then about 24 hours later i was like holy crap like this, this is insane. Right. And then he started, I ended up getting a restraining order because he started showing up to the apartment when he knew I would be there and things that he really shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And so all throughout the court process, like I was back at work, I was on crew. I was dealing with, I had a member that committed suicide on my crew. We were all really stressed out. There was a lot of things going on. And so I think for like a year, it was pure survival mode mm-hmm. um, and probably doing more damage. But because that was when the bulimia came up and I needed to be strong because there was 25 people who depended on me to come on work every day and try to make their lives suck a little bit less. And I did not heal from it in, until, yeah, two and a half, three years after when I made the pact to myself to, to pray, to do yoga, to meditate, take time in nature, sleep, eat well, and talk to people. Started talking to my mom and I had some some good girlfriends that I finally started chatting with. And then uh, I met Rick. Mm. And I did not want to get into another relationship and I stiffed armed him for a long time. <laughs> but uh, he, and I, I almost hate it because it's like, I would have been fine without you. But he he showed me that I was worthy and capable of love, which is something I truly didn't think I was or would ever have. Well, sometimes we meet people who are just the mirror that we needed, you know? Yeah. Aw. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, there's so much we could talk about here because there's so many, so many women who um, are in relationships that are not healthy. I'm sure, I'm sure there's men, I'm, I'm sure it goes both ways, but there is a dominance that occurs that, you know, is, is inarguable. Right. That it is more um, prevalent with women um, being abused by men. And I mean, you have lived a lifetime at such a young age and I would never have wanted that for anyone, but I'm, I'm just so grateful that you found all the tools and that you'll continue to use them. So what are the things that you would say to somebody who's going through, whether it's an abusive relationship or eating disorder or just not feeling worthy? Yeah. What are, what would you say to them? Don't feel bad about it. So don't keep turning all the blame on yourself. I mean, I wish someone had told me, like, you're not going to be less of a strong person for having gone through this. You don't have to take or shoulder everything. Reach out. 
realize that you're human and that you deserve to be loved and you deserve to love yourself. And I think some of it is time. Like it, it takes, I don't know why it takes women so long to love themselves and to get over having to, to fit into that mold, but you really keep fighting for it. Don't ever stop thinking that a, there's an ultimatum. You will get out of it. And even if you can't see it now, just please keep trying even a little bit. Those 10 minutes a day that you go sit in the back of a room, a church, whatever, just start mm-hmm. and be okay not being okay. Yeah, I love that. Be okay not being okay because um, there are so many people uh, that just plow through and it's okay to not be okay and then start to have those steps, those pr- the protocol in place, whether it's 10 minutes in a church, um, meditating somewhere else, starting to move. I think let's just kind of close on like, how is, how is this yoga um, made you feel like you can get not only past it, but just um, do whatever you want in life? Yeah. Well, obviously I'm a lit fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm plugging her. I'm shamelessly plugging. <laughs> no, yoga. I mean, because yeah. it, but it's true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I really am in a position to go anywhere and there is a reason I chose to come here. And I, Probably didn't even know the reason, but there was something that said, just reach out and contact this lady because whatever happens six months around this idea, all this stuff is going to be great. Because it has, I I mean, you can ask Ricky, he's been with me on the lit journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm stronger. I emotionally am more resilient. Uh, I don't really let things bother me as much. I feel great in my body. Like I, Laura, I stopped doing everything else. I used to run out of fear of getting fat. Mm-hmm. I haven't, the only time I ran was for my PT test and I didn't even train for it. And I got the same score I got last year and I grew a half an inch. Yeah. And I just, I feel great and confident when I go home, people are like, did you get taller? Like you look, (laughs) you look great. And I'm just happier. And it's, I'm, I am more comfortable stepping in to things that I know I need to. I'm more comfortable confronting my fear. Uh, I'm more comfortable like the, like being vegan. Like understanding what I what my blockages were <laughs> to doing that, and it's just ah, it's so amazing connecting to yourself and then watching what grows. Ah, that's and beautiful. You, and you built that and did that, so thank you. Well, all I'm doing is being hopefully being the mirror for people so they can see their own beauty and their own power, and that is my probably my biggest goal is because we all have it in us, and especially for women, I'm such a big you know. I love, I love my guys too, but man, I, I'm just, because women need the support and we need the support of each other. And I'm extremely grateful you were here. So you will hear more from Catherine, I'm sure. And she's in a lot of my videos too. So we'll have her do a series just for the military people, but also just, um, I think I'm getting ideas about doing some for, for healing different journeys that um, women have gone through. So thank you so much for being thank here today. Thank you. And for all of you, hugs and pulling for you always. 